second Friday in October. All right. Hope you all been enjoying the horror film talk all week, and there'll be some more coming up down the road. And like usual, like last Friday, it's just me here telling you about the horror movies I've been watching. So I got a stack here. Well, it's not really a stack, but it's uh, it's just a few uh, names I want to drop of some things I've watched this week. And actually, I also wanted to throw in a book that I finally opened up and started looking at. So I think I'm going to kick things off with that. I bought this book about eh, like six months ago, and I think I've probably been saving it for the Halloween season to maybe just do a deep dive and do some weekend reading of it. And I started it last weekend. I haven't finished it yet, but it's not like a a fiction story. It is a encyclopedia, pretty much. And it's been out for a few years. It's called Paperbacks from Hell. And this encyclopedia, or whatever you want to call it, is just comfort food for me. It is a deep dive into the 1970s and 80s paperback books that were the horror fiction books. And this thing has been put together by Grady Hendrix. If that name happens to ring a bell, it's because he's got a few works out there that also are kind of the same ilk of this. He has a fiction novel called My Best Friend's Exorcism. And he also has a book called The Final Girl Support Book. I've read both these. I can highly recommend, but I had been itching to get paperbacks from hell. Now, if you're a lover of those 70s and 80s paperback horror fiction books you used to probably see when you were a kid, uh, you need to buy this book. I I remember seeing these titles back when I was a kid in like libraries, whatnot, and just just being enamored by the art. And I think that was the big draw was the art on the cover of these books. And then, of course, you match it with a title like The Succubus or Stage Fright or Night Shriek or Death Tour. What else we got? The Little People, The Cats, Eat Them Alive. I could go on and on about titles. But this book's got about, I want to say close to about 250, 300 pages where it just goes over covers and shows artwork of the books from this era. And like I said, if you're really kind of into that time of horror fiction novels, I highly recommend you get this thing. I will leave a link to it in the show notes maybe like an Amazon Prime link or something. So if you want to pick it up and get it before Halloween hits, hopefully, um, not even, even even if it's after Halloween hits, like this is just a good piece of just information about the horror genre and just a really prominent time that I think just really brings back some great nostalgia. So that's Paperbacks from Hell. It's a fun read. It's a nice little weekend deep dive. I'm probably going to finish it up this weekend, and I'm probably going to go back to it every now and then just to, I don't know, reminisce on a great era of horror fiction novels. Anyway, moving on. I watched a couple films. One is actually fresh in my mind as I record this, so I'm going to start off with that. About a year ago, Blumhouse partnered with Amazon Prime and did a four-film, two-night double-feature special the whole tagline was welcome to the Blumhouse, and there were four little 90-minute movies that went along with it. They were great. They were awesome. So now the spooky season is upon us. Blumhouse released four more for us to watch on Amazon Prime. You probably may have seen the first two drop. They dropped on October 1st. Bingo Hell and Black as Night. As I record this, I actually haven't seen them, but they're on my weekend watch list. But I was able to get an early screener on the new one that was going to drop one of the two new ones. I was given the option. I could either either see Madres or The Manor, and I decided to see The Manor. That was my pick, so I got an early screener of it. I literally just finished it right now, 
and it is a lot of fun and it's really awesome to see the great Barbara Hershey in a Blumhouse movie uh you know she's in she's an icon of tv and film over the last god like 40 years even and she's doing a Blumhouse movie so to tell you the plot I don't want to give anything away because by the time this airs tomorrow it'll be on Amazon Prime it's about a woman who suffers a stroke that woman is played by Barbara Hershey uh, she moves into like an old kind of historic nursing home where she begins to suspect there's supernatural things that are preying on the residents that live there. Now, her character, her name is Judith Albright. Uh, you know, she's in her 70s. They say that there's a line that she's 70 years old, but she's still got, you know, some pep in her step. Honestly, I feel like, you know, despite her having a stroke, I, I think she's, you know, still seems to be doing fine. And so what happens is some crazy what-the-fuck things are seen, you know, pretty uh, supernatural creatures and whatnot. I I don't want to give anything away. And, you know, obviously the staff starts to think she's out of her mind, and now she has to convince everyone pretty much at this this nursing home, or the manor, I should say, um, of what she's seeing. And pretty much, you know, things don't really go her way. Yeah, I also feel like the film is a commentary on how we treat the elderly and, you know, what we do to them, how they just kind of become this, you know, stuff we throw to the side when they're people too. And, you know, I feel like that made for an emotional punch to the film. Uh, So I highly recommend it. By the time you hear this, it'll be on Amazon Prime. Actually, all four of the new Welcome to the Blumhouse films will be on there as well. So you can just do a binge. They're all like... They all kind of play like those old TV movies from the 70s and 80s and 90s. I mean, I know there's still a lot of made-for-TV movies on, like, Lifetime and whatnot, but, you know, they kind of have that style of, you know, they're quick to the punch, there's a formula, but there's just something about them that's a lot of fun. So, I don't know, just check it out. Caught it on a, you know, early screener before, you know, it dropped, and it was a real privilege to do that. It's cool that Blumhouse does things like that. Um, So, yeah, moving on. I'm going back to the 80s here, so I'm going to do it in order, and I'm going to go back to a sequel to an iconic uh, piece of suspenseful thriller. Um, everybody knows the the movie Psycho by Alfred Hitchcock. Well, I finally decided to watch one of the sequels. I put on Psycho 2, which is streaming on Peacock, NBC Universal streaming service. And I believe all the sequels, I think, I think the original was on there for at one point. But it's no longer on there, but Psycho 2, Psycho 3, and Psycho 4 are on there, and i never seen the sequels to this movie, and I always heard Psycho 2 actually is a really good film. Psycho 3 and Psycho 4, to each their own, I still haven't seen them, but I've heard a lot of mixed things, but Psycho 2, I heard, just had this great story arc, and... You know, for anybody who doesn't know the original Psycho, I I don't know why you listen to this podcast, because... We talk about shit like this, but hey, yeah, I'm not going to make fun of you. Anyway, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, <laughs> Psycho is um, a story about a woman who, you know, stays at a hotel. She's kind of on the run a little bit. She's got some money. It's played by Janet Lee, Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. And, you know, she kind of connects with the guy running the night shift at the hotel who also lives behind it in a big old creepy house. And, you know, turns out the guy's a super, you know, he's he's pretty much a killer. He pretty much lures people in and kills them. Basically, you know, that's the plot of the first one. But the second one, the main character, Norman Bates, the guy who's, you know, killing Jamie Lee Curtis's mom in the shower, 
has been released from prison. Now, forgive me if I'm wrong, if anybody wants to call me on this. I didn't really feel like his release from prison was believable. I mean, I know it was like the insanity plea and whatnot, but, um, you know, the part kind of went over my head, but hey, what are you going to do? It's a sequel that came out 20 years after the original. And this came out in 1982, I believe. The original one came out in 1960. So uh, Norman Bates, played by Anthony Perkins, he uh, he's out. He's just trying to look for a normal life. He's back at the hotel. He's back in the old house from the first one. And you can tell his character is really, really trying to make some adjustments in his life. That's kind of how they sell you the movie. Like, here's this guy who has committed some heinous acts, but you buy it. You buy that he's trying to turn his life around, but society and the people around him and all these situations are trying to ruin that for him. And it kind of plays with, should you have empathy for this guy? Should you have sympathy? Or is he really, you know, a piece of shit? And it all culminates in the final act of the film. So it's really not a, you know, killer with a bloody knife, jump out and scare you kind of horror movie. Um, It deals with a lot of morality and, you know, how we view criminals, you know, how we view, you know, people that have done wrong in society. And if they're given a second chance, how do, how do we treat them? And, you know, like I said, it culminates with an interesting uh, third act that I thought was just awesome and had a hell of a payoff. And, you know, I just, I recommend Psycho 2. I I will watch Psycho 3 and Psycho 4. If you don't hear me talk about it on these little Friday episodes throughout October, you know that maybe I didn't really care for him. But this is my first time watching Psycho 2. I had heard so much appreciation for it on other podcasts that I wanted to give it a shot, and I did, and I love it. Now, jumping ahead, a couple years to 1988 to a piece of, this thing is just a masterpiece. It's been said multiple times on different shows, on websites and everything, uh, because, you know, the renaissance of John Carpenter that I feel like has happened in the last 10 years with his films, um, they live now, They Live, to me, isn't even really a horror film, it, but it has, you know, elements to it, and, you know, it's a John Carpenter film, so there's, you know, there's things in it that are a little uh, rebellious against the norm, and uh, this is just 90 minutes of some of the best cinema I've ever seen, and oddly enough, They Live was actually like a financial disaster. It didn't really make a lot of money, but it got its cult following, uh, for anybody who doesn't know the plot of They Live, uh, Roddy Piper, the the wrestler, who he you know passed away about five years ago, but professional wrestler from the '80s, he was doing some acting, and you know he ended up in a John Carpenter movie. And so Roddy Piper is this guy who just kind of strolls into Los Angeles. He seems like kind of a drifter, uh, just you know links up with Keith David. A young Keith David is in it. I've talked about him on this show. He's you know great character actor. And they, um, you know, they're just construction workers that pretty much like live at like a homeless shelter thing and, you know, outside of downtown LA and they just, Roddy Piper basically just puts on a pair of sunglasses one time and he sees what the world really looks like rather than what it is without these sunglasses on. Uh, I feel like I'm not doing a good job selling this movie to anybody who hasn't seen it, 
but for Christ's sakes, you should see They Live because there is just some awesome shit in it. Uh, I know, and for anybody who knows exactly what the fuck I'm talking about, I mean, you feel me on this. Yeah, it's a kind of an out there plot, but it's a fucking John Carpenter movie. Why the hell wouldn't you want to watch something like this? And like I said, it, it's not really like a jump out and scare you kind of movie, but it's very science fiction and you can tell it, you know, kind of feels like it's on a low budget, which is typical John Carpenter doing a lot with very little. And it has one of the most iconic back alley fights between Roddy Piper and Keith David, something that was spoofed on South Park once. And um, it's just a great, fun, little cult classic. And there's a lot of great famous lines in it, you know. I came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. It's a famous line from that movie. Uh, but the film's a commentary on the Ronald Reagan era, basically. And by 1988, Ronald Reagan was just about out of office. You know, it, it's it's a it's a commentary on the 80s, basically, and consumerism and, you know, Republicans of the 1980s and yuppies and everything. And, you know, some people hear that. Maybe they're not into that, but, you know, they, it is what it is. And so, anyway, I highly recommend They Live. It is streaming now also on Peacock, so you should check that out. So, there's three films you should check out this October. Uh, also, don't forget, uh, Paperbacks from Hell, how I kicked off this episode. It is a, it's a fucking awesome book if you're into that kind of stuff. Hope you've been enjoying my interview with uh, Brandon Christensen, who made Superhost on Shudder. I see that thing still getting downloads, so shout out to everybody. Uh, that was a, just a great talk. I mean, Brandon's, Brandon's so cool. Um, I didn't know he was that big of a football fan. He, we were talking on Twitter the other day about the Patriots-Buccaneers game last Sunday. This is a film show, not a sports show, but anyway, Mac Jones is the future up in New England. Anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, you know, thank you all for the downloads on that. And also, thank you all for checking out the Michael Myers Marathon me and uh, filmmaker Phil George did. Uh, we released that on Wednesday. Uh, the, you know, that was just a fun little, not really deep dive, but just a fun, like, critique and just nerd out session on the Halloween franchise. And, you know, I definitely look forward to Halloween Kills when it drops in a week. That'll be in theaters and also on Peacock. I am not sponsored by Peacock. That would, you know, be the shit if, you know, Universal Streaming Service sponsored me. But... Uh, I could, could be able to maybe quit my day job if that happened, but um, nope, still doing this podcast for free. Anyway, um, I got some great interviews coming up next next week, starting next week, actually. Yeah, I got, uh, well, I'm not going to say it yet, but, um, you know, some filmmakers with their films out on streaming platforms or available for, you know, purchase online or something. And, uh, yeah, so just keep cranking out the horror films, creep, you know, all month long. So, um no, no. Y'all take care. I'll talk to y'all next week.